to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. Is my makeup okay, John? Yeah, it looks it looks good this morning. You, 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 you spent a little extra time in the mirror, I see. That's good. Thank you. No, I just shaved. That's it. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. I still appreciate that. Well, good morning. Episode 25. <laughs> Another week. We're excited to, to be here bright and early on a, well, you'll be listening to this on a Thursday morning. Um, we are joined today by Sarah Franzen, Director of Revenue Management and Analytics. Oh my goodness! Um, please, natural retreats. Jeez, I and for those that are listening, um, I'm having a, like the worst flu brain. I had the terrible, <laughs> terrible flu over the weekend, and I'm having like I'm just like scatterbrained all over the place. So, Sarah, how are you? Well, uh, apparently, you I'm doing better than you. Oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> out of it. This has, no, been it, this has been amazing so far. I love this so far. <laughs> this so welcome it. to our welcome to our podcast. We are excited to have you on here. Um, can't wait to dig in and uh, and and talk with you this week because uh, you're you're a pioneer of sorts, and we're going to dig into that. So I didn't welcome. wear my pioneer outfit, but. You know, I'm a little disappointed. Now I'm if, a little I, disappointed. if I'd known, I'm a little now I'm a little disappointed. I had the bonnet, the little house in the prairie bonnet. Mm, guys, do you have one of those? That would be amazing. Show. No, but I do own all of the little house in the prairie books. Do Best you books. love them? Yeah, I mean that's like home too. So it's well. So uh, my my wife just just got through reading every little house in the prairie book to my so nine. So good. Yep, so, I read them out loud to my daughter when she was. Yeah, too. so so he just finished reading them. I mean, I think they spent like two years reading like every little house on the Prairie Book. They're so um, good. Yeah. So, um, and he loves it. So, <laughs> cool. I, I'm in. I'm there with you. You know. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. The funny part, I didn't even know it was a book. I just remember the TV show growing up. I didn't know oh, it was like man. a series of books. Based I just on the book. Michael Landon and like the No, it's based on the book. Hey Ma, hey Pa. Well that's Walt. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then rolling down the falling day. down the hill. Carrie going down the hill. Yeah. 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 And like they all lived and the kids like slept upstairs. I, I oh, yeah, I remember that. Good show. Yeah, the uh, good show, better books. Um, we we kind of daydream of going back into those times as a family and be like, oh, how much simpler it would be and uh, how much more uh, you can get out of life. I, I think that a lot of technology and things have, and politics have complicated things over time. Um, so that's, uh, it's, it's kind of fun to, to think about that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, Night Shyamalan made a movie about that. Uh, actually, uh, you have to check it out. It's actually super interesting. Which which one? Uh, was it the, uh, the village? Which one was it? Oh, um, now I get, now I gotta look. I'm gonna look up the name. I'm gonna find it too. It was um, it's one of the last ones he did before he took a break. Um, remember they were hiding from the world and they were in a park in Pennsylvania, but they had all like decided to move into the middle of this park where like planes couldn't fly over and, and they would be completely isolated from the world. So they were thinking they were living like in the 1850s, but they were just this isolated community in the middle of these woods. And they created like this mythology of these monsters to like keep the kids and everyone from like leaving. And, you know, it's that ideology that, oh, life was so simple back then, but you know, they had their own set of problems. I mean, yeah, you could get eaten by a bear. I mean, yeah, true. Fact. Uh, yeah. Oops. And nobody would know. Well, oh, very few huh. people would know. Yeah, true. So, I mean, just your small community would know that you're eaten by a bear. Or they'd know you're gone. Yeah. But, well, that's really cheerful. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we do it around here. Yeah. yeah that's, we, how, that's, we're, how we do, that's how we do it around here. I feel like yeah. this isn't where it was supposed to go. That's all right. It doesn't really matter. And that's the great thing about the way. No Bullshit yeah. Podcast. Yes, cool. Yeah. 
Speaking of um, where it should go, though, t- tell us, tell us how you know. Tell us your journey into the space. You know, tell us. You know, how did you get started? You know, what? Why? Why do you love? You know, you know, you you were, seem like a person that absolutely loves revenue management, um, and and numbers and crunching numbers and analytics. Um, talk to us about that and and kind of you know how you got started and 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 uh, how you've gotten to where you are today. Uh, well, um, I definitely never thought that I would be doing this. So, um, you know, all the way back to college, my goal was to own a music school. That was what I wanted to do. Um, so I was a music major and a business major. So I, my, my two degrees were in undergrad were vocal performance and business analytics. So the goal was always to have my own music school which I did. Um, and in the process of that, I worked on, finished my MBA in Georgia. My ex was in the military, so we were all over the place. Um, so worked on the MBA in, at the University of Georgia. And then, um, well, prior to that, I had, I had gone to do, to do my master's of music in um, San Jose. Um, so all with the idea that I was gonna be a music school owner. It's always what I wanted to do. Um, accomplish that. And then the army, you know, as the army is moves you around. And, and, um, it was just, I ended up in Virginia, which is where I am now. And, um, just, it was too tough to continue to run a music school from Virginia when it was in Georgia. So got away from that, became a music teacher, um, in a middle school. Um, as crazy as that sounds, I really liked it. Um, and that, that was cool. And then the, um, there were some other issues that went on with like our, our, uh, I guess your home state with the military and working full time. And so left that. And when my daughter's father and I split, we decided that we were going to co-parent and we were going to raise her in one place and we're going to do the army thing. So he committed to stay in Virginia. I committed to stay in Virginia. And so that was great. And I was like, well, now what do I do? Cause right. I'm not teaching. I had taken some time off from teaching and that got me into hotels. So it was one of these things where I applied for a hotel sales job. And I was like, what is hotel sales? I had no idea what hotel sales was. <laughs> and I went into the interview completely oblivious to what hotel sales was. But I had done, I'd kind of had my own business before. So I had, you know, been able to talk, talk that up a little bit. And I landed this job as a director of sales for <laughs> a hotel. Wow. Not really knowing that that was a thing. Like I, I just didn't know. So definitely over the course of the next year, two years, figuring out that, okay, hotel sales, one, exists, and two, figuring out what it was, um, and three, realizing that I'm really, I really don't like being a salesperson. <laughs> um, I am an introvert by nature, and um, being an outside salesperson was exhausting. But I learned of this thing called revenue management when I was in hotel sales. And I was like, I want to do that. That's, that's cool. You know, we had this revenue manager, we'd meet once a week, we'd talk about, you know, demand, we talk about all sorts of stuff that I was like, that's really cool to me. So it was my goal then, very early on to figure out how to break into that. Um, I went from that director of sales position to another director of sales position still here in um, Virginia. And was given the opportunity to not only be director of sales, but to also be a revenue manager, which if you have any, you know, knowledge of sales and revenue management and how they should work, completely bad idea, (laughs) horrible idea. Um, I think I was, I think I was successful at it. Um, but I do, there were certainly many opportunities where, you know, somebody who wanted to mess with things could mess with things and, and just be unethical or be, you know, it's uh it's a little little you know kind of against the grain the way it should yeah and it was kind of like hey we don't want to like hire a revenue manager but you know we know that it's kind of important so that was kind of how it but i loved it um and so that was it i was a hotel revenue manager and then from there went into hotel revenue management with marriott um marriott product um and then um that was just always what I wanted to do. And then I knew somebody who was in, who worked for natural retreats mm-hmm. 
and they were hiring a revenue manager. And I was like, that's cool. You know, I would love to, you know, kind of grow my, my personal development. I'd like to continue to grow. So I applied and got the job at natural retreats. And then, um, that was in 2015. Um, and I had a whole set of ideas of what I thought that was going to be all of which were wrong. (laughs) Um, I had no idea the differences um, in practice, really primarily, um, between hotel revenue management and vacation rental revenue management. Um, And so it was, it's been since then, it's been this, I don't want to say an uphill battle, but in a lot of ways it has been, but it's been an uphill discovery maybe of, of really what revenue management is in this space and really has been, has, has challenged me to look um, internally to, to say, okay, I know what revenue management is in a hotel space. um, But now I have to apply principles more to the, the, the short-term rental space, because, you know, you don't have a lot of the tools and the resources that you do in a hotel. It's very much automated in, in hotel world. Um, So you really have to think through things. Um, from a conceptual perspective here. So over the last six and a half years, I've been really just thinking and growing and trying to figure things out. But um, that is a really long-winded answer. And I'm really sorry that I just took, I don't know how much time. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that. I kind of feel like I couldn't explain it just. No, that's, that's. I think it was spot on. Yeah, like, look, and and, and, because one of my first questions, and you actually answered it before I could even get to it, was going to be like the challenge of transitioning from hotel to short-term rental management. And, you know, I I came from rented. So we are, when we transitioned to revenue management, we were doing something completely different before. And I was like, whoa, revenue management? Like, I always had this idea of what it was. And, you know, I talked, I had friends that worked in hotels and they were like, oh, it's just pretty straightforward. You just put this in place and it runs. And then when I was in rented and working with the team there and, you know, getting in with Cliff and I was like, this was like, I was like the universe. It was like, this is vastly complex. And there's so many different things that go into it. And so many factors you have to consider and, and account for and, and run. It was intriguing. It was great learning experience, but very, very different. And, and I was it's so much more fun. It's more, I will say it is is more fun in this space because you have to think, you have to use your brain, you have to, you know, think conceptually a lot. Um, And so it really is a a completely different challenge, which I love. Um, But it's, it is kind of uncharted territory or it's, it was, it is not so much anymore. There's, there are a lot of tools and things that are coming into play um, in this space, which is really neat to see, but it is still fairly new. So. Well, I think, you know, the, the biggest obvious, the obvious difference is that you, obviously the homeowner component, you know, is, is which, you know, you're not going to have that on the, the hotel side, but then, then there's so many more, you know, different variables and complexities that, that you probably didn't even think about when you first got into it. And then, and, and I bet that even today, there are new things that are popping up with new technology, with new, with new integrations that you're like, oh, this is going to be easier or, oh, shoot, this is actually harder now because now we're looking at this variable, which we never had to look at before, um, which is, uh, which is, ex- would have to be exciting for, for a person in your position. Um, with that said, so your natural retreats now for uh, six and a half years, is that correct? Okay. How much has natural retreats grown in the six and a half years that you've been there? We, we know that there's been uh, some major acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that, you know, your portfolio heads that you're, you're managing is a little different than it was uh, six and a half years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you like, even by number, like how many units it's grown. Um, but we've grown primarily through acquisition. Obviously, we have a focus on organic growth, too, within our current markets, and that's a significant focus for us. Um, it's always easier to grow where you already are. Yeah. Um, so that said, I mean, when I came on, I think we had maybe five locations, I would say, um, five, maybe six, um, and we currently have 16. So we've you know, expanded that significantly, um, expanded the team um, you know, I mean, from a, I think what's more significant even than, you know, unit count 
is just the um, kind of the business mindset of the company, which has grown from just, you know, acquiring a, a greater number of properties to really making and doing that in a way that's um, smart, intelligent, w- that works for us, for our business strategy, for what we're trying to accomplish, not just growing to grow. Um, but then also, you know, from my perspective, you know, from a revenue management perspective, um, you know, understanding that there is a lot of information that we are taking in from our own, you know, um, our own system that we that we record. Um, and then, you know, all this other, you know, no, new market data that's out there um, where we're really able to start making decisions from a, a, a very data-driven kind of um, place, which is something that I would say has been a significant, huge growth for our company over the years. Um, so more so than like the number of units, but really just the attitude and the way that we approach things um, has grown just exponentially. So I really appreciate that because, I, and, and I feel like um, it's been a really significant way for my department to contribute to the business as a whole. And, you know, and I appreciate that, you know, I want to be able to contribute, obviously not just, right. you know, we're not just setting rates. We're not just creating discounts. We're not just doing, you know, this is all something done within the larger context of, of our goals and our, um, and, and what we're trying to achieve as a company as a whole. So that I think is, is significant for my company. And, and one of the reasons why, you know, I, I really appreciate it and love it here. It's uh it's great points. And it's something that Mateo and I have had uh, conversations in the past um, with, with brand and, and that the natural retreats brand is a strong brand. And, um, and, and it's, I, I like seeing where the brand natural retreats has grown um, in these past few years. And the, you know, I think we were, we might even been talking with Simon uh, a few weeks ago about brand and and how significant that is going to be for these companies that are growing and scaling and and to to recognize you know as as a destination or as a a property management company you know you're not just going to you know hey i'm staying at a natural retreats you know and the importance of that for our industry um and there there are certain brands that do it well and there are some that don't um and you know you and i i from everything that I see, um, you know, obviously natural retreats is doing it well. Well, that's, that's good to hear. And, but it's hard, you know, I mean, building a brand in any sort of hospitality space is hard. I mean, Hilton and Marriott, they've obviously gotten a foothold. They've been doing this for a long time, but I mean, even, you know, when it comes to, you know, search or anything like that, you know, do people really know natural retreats? I mean, people in our industry do, and there's, I think there are different ways to look at branding. I mean, branding is really significant for the company itself to understand who you are and what you're trying to do and to lay the foundation for your business goals. I think a brand is significant because it does inform how you move forward. You know, I think that there's more to branding than just, you know, like people will say, oh, Airbnb is like, they've built this brand. Everybody will talk about, oh, I stayed in an Airbnb. or And that is significant for, you know, a for them in terms of like their reach, but, you know, for us anyway, I, I seem to think that building a brand is more than just, just do people know who you are? It's, do you know who you are? Because if you don't know who you are, you know, you're not right. going to be able to move forward with that to tell other people who you are. So I think that is a challenge in our industry because, you know, we have a lot of, you know, smaller companies out there, single location places that are very successful and have built a brand um, of their own. And it's not to take away just because they're, you know, you know, in a single destination or they have fewer than, you know, a thousand properties or whatever. It doesn't mean that they haven't built a brand. They probably have built a very successful brand. And just because, you know, Sarah Franzen sitting in Charlottesville, Virginia has never heard of this brand in, you know, Topeka, Kansas, doesn't mean they haven't built a brand. It means that, you know, I haven't heard of them and it's not necessarily a bad thing. So that's, I don't know. That's Well, I think the conversation should be also like, look, like, who are you trying to be? Right. You know, we're talking about a brand and a company, like 
not everybody's trying to be Vacasa. Not everybody's trying to be these large, you know, V-trips and these large scale players in the space. Like some people are okay with, you know, right. you know, th- their business being a certain size and, and not going outside of that. And I think that gets eclipsed a lot because everyone's always talking about the, the growers and the scalers and who's going to be the biggest, baddest guy in the room or, or, or company in the room. And that's not everybody's goal. And we don't hear people talk about that a lot, but I, I know plenty of property managers that are kind of happy in their space. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, that they're not, they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to, you know, they, they're sensitive to people coming into and, and changing, you know, the dynamic of how their business will run, but they're not trying to be the biggest company, you know, in their region area or in the country. And that's, that's right. Okay. With them. And we don't really hear those stories. So yeah, Agreed. something you got to bring up, John, for like a future episode. Get some of those smaller guys in there, have that conversation because I feel like that we don't we don't even focus on that. Like no one's talking about that, especially around the branding conversation. Because that's a great the industry's had them for a while. Unique little bed and breakfasts that have done their things forever, you know, and got repetitive guests and do well and they're successful. So, yeah, I mean, it, when at the end of the day, uh, I think it's a great idea. We would definitely need to have that in a future podcast. At the end of the day, if someone's got you know fifty units and they're able to run it, run it successfully, like a four person staff, um, and and hire with some some outside hired you know housekeeping team, and they're paying the bills and they're they're happy life at home and they have and they have plenty of free time perfect like you know their work-life balance is great you know that i think that's these are all great personal decisions people have yeah do you want to have a portfolio with 50 that's profitable or a portfolio with five thousand that's not i mean yeah you know so it, yeah. there are a lot of things that go into that and and i and i do think that that it has been that has been one of the narratives that we've been hearing a lot is just this growth through acquisition and the big big dogs coming to swallow up the little and and it's and I think you're right. It's not, it's, it's about your goals. It's about what the business goal is. And some people don't, you know, don't care. Right. <laughs> so about the, about the things that some of the bigger ones do, I shouldn't, shouldn't say don't care. That's not fair. No. So Sarah, it's... sorry. I'll let you. No, you're right, John. Got it. So I, I kind of want to just quickly, uh, pivot here um, for a moment earlier, but before we started hit recording, I said, had like a little thing I, I wanted to kind of throw at you um, that uh, you might be surprised by. Um, so this is a true or false question for you. Um, true or false. I went to college for music education. Well, because you're asking me, I feel like it's probably true, but I didn't know that if it's. If yeah, it I, did, I did. So I, I used nice. to play the, I played uh, French horn. Um, I went to to Plymouth State University um, in New Hampshire for um, music education. I was in the Con Artist Horn Quartet, C-O-N-N. I um, was in all states. I was in all New England districts. So that was my um, elementary all the way through one year college. Um, and unfortunately, um, be, in, in Plymouth state, you could go, I also was a snowboarder and skier and I could go, uh, ride loon mountain for $5 with my student ID. Um, so I majored in snowboarding and well, marijuana, um, <laughs> so, um, the music education, um, I only lasted a year. Um, but I, I had high, you know, aspirations. I wanted to teach music. Um, I, uh, I actually spent a, in high school, I spent a, like a whole semester, um, actually going into the elementary schools and, and helping the, uh, teach the kids in school and very cool. And so, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can, I can conduct, I can. That is super cool. But yeah, that. so that's, that's our little connection. Um, I, I wish I truly, I wish I still had chops. I don't, I don't even have a French horn anymore. Um, I'm, uh, but I used to play all brass. Um, I used to sing in chorus. Yeah. I was all, I was the whole, I was a super band geek. Very <laughs> cool. You know, it's funny. I've, you know, you, I've, I've met a couple other folks who have a significant music background who are also in this space. So you know, it, it's it's funny because obviously I didn't know this, um, and at the same time, it's not surprising because I've found that there is a, a significant contingent of people in our space that have an arts background, which I think is interesting to say the least. 
but um, very cool. And French horn is one of my, I mean, if I'm going to listen to a brass instrument, it's going to be French horn. Like I, I love the French horn. It's beautiful. It's really tough to play very well. <laughs> and so when it's not played well, it cannot, it can definitely not be beautiful. Um, but I'm sure you were a beautiful player. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, an amazing instrument. So very cool. Thank you. That was our, that was my little uh, nice. connection there. I, I'm there, there's a lot of it I miss. I miss, I miss orchestra. Like we, you know, we were in a, uh, every once a week we'd go and so we had an orchestra that was like about a half hour drive and we'd, we'd get the whole, everyone together. I, sorry. I digress. But that was, uh, I, did not, I did not know that. So you, you know, it was my son's major. So he actually just changed his major to film, but he's, uh, he's play he was playing trombone and he's, I mean, he's still in the trombone choir at his school, but he's actually changed his major to film. But that was another very cool mellow instrument. Yeah. 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 Nice. So it was kind of the legacy instrument in our in our family. So my father is a, a jazz pianist, and, but he his growing up, he started with the piano, but all through school he played the trombone, um, all through college. So and continues to teach music to this day. It's crazy. Interesting. Yeah. So Sarah, tell me about winning the inaugural revenue management. <laughs> manager of the year at darm i mean oh, yeah. it was so, so first of all congratulations we, yeah. we got you better yeah, yeah, like, good, good. Thank that's, you. A, that's a huge first that's a huge first for you yeah it was um it was definitely a surprise um complete complete surprise complete honor um i still am kind of like are you sure like <laughs> that you want me to be that person because um, you don't always see me banging my head against my computer every day. Um, but it was really cool. It was really, it was, it was really nice for, um, Amy and Expedia group to, to honor the, the awardees, um, at DARM. Um, it's nice to be recognized, you know, regardless of what you're doing. I mean, the, um, they had the pioneer award and then they had the innovation, um, awards that went out and it's just really cool to be acknowledged for what you're doing um, and like I said it was a complete surprise I the, the kind of the story behind that was that so they awarded the pioneer award the first day and um, you know the person I cannot remember his name and I feel terrible about that but the person who came up and accepted the award was like you know Amy told me that this was coming so I put together a few words to say and it was like really it was very touching we're like oh that's great and so the, the second day was the revenue manager of the year award. And I actually had an appointment in the first half of that session where they were awarding that. And Amy had asked me, are you going to be at this session? I said, well, I've got this meeting. And she's like, well, I, can I make sure, can you make sure that you're there at this certain time? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, so I walked in and the middle the thing is going on and I'm like, okay. So I, I sat down at her table. I was like, did you need me? And she's like, yeah, just, just hang on. And then, then it happened and she announced the, she announced me and I was like, well, you didn't tell me anything. <laughs> like I didn't, you know, it was, it was, I thought that, you know, anyone who would get an award would be, you know, told about it ahead of time. And it was just a complete shock. And, but it was so very, um, very kind and just really meaningful um, to be recognized um, among a bunch of peers who could have very, very easily, you know, want it too. It's um, the good news is that there are so many people going forward that can win this thing. Like it's, there are so many of us that are just going to work every day and trying to figure stuff out. And sometimes we fail and sometimes, you know, there's a win and you go, well, was that really me? Or, you know, <laughs> um, so there's a lot of, um, I think, second guessing of oneself in this discipline. Um, but a lot of really cool people that I've gotten to know in this industry who are doing kind of what I do every day. And it's, um, it's just really cool to have that, have that acknowledged and, and recognized. So that was really, really neat. Um, completely surprised and really honored by it. Well, we were, we were excited to see you when we were obviously yeah. we, were, we were at DARM. It was a, it was a great conference and, and definitely well, awesome. deserved. Yeah. well, yeah. well deserved. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so, so much. In, in that line. So there's two questions I have, you know, just shining the spotlight on revenue management and, and during your time and even in my own time it's in knowing the importance that the industry is is placing on it now it, that hasn't always been the case right and 
to be very clear, not everybody's great at revenue management, right? Like even they may work hard, they may do the thing and they may do okay, but not everybody's really great at revenue management. And that's why I think we're seeing, you know, the importance of it pushed to the forefront and, you know, more tools being pushed towards, you know, companies being able to either empower their revenue managers or empower themselves to be able to do it themselves. My, I guess my first question to you is, you know, and, and, and knowing you, it may be a little hard for you to answer the question, but I would like to know, what do you think makes you different in the, in this space? What makes you different as a revenue manager than the others in this space? You know, what makes you good at what you do from your perspective? Um, you know, I think that, I think that the people who, I don't even want to say do the best because I fail a lot. Um, maybe that's one thing is I'm willing to fail. Yeah. Um, and I, put that out there. I'll tell people, listen, I don't know this, you know, I, this could be completely wrong. And if it's wrong, we'll learn from it and we'll pivot and we'll, you know, move forward. But um, that is one thing that ever since I was small, I mean, it was, I was okay with messing up and failing. Now, do I beat myself up about it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do, but um, so I think that's significant, but I will say that I think that almost everyone I know in this space, who's doing the same thing, is pretty much of the same mindset. Um, and so, you know, I, I do think that it's important to think about your company as you're managing. So, and your company becomes very granular when you're actually doing the day-to-day -day stuff. So your company is, you know, not just us, but it's our owners, um, it's our guests. So really understanding as a company, what we're trying to accomplish, um, as owners understanding what they're trying to accomplish, as guests, giving them, you know, a, a fair um, um, product, whether it's price or quality, you know, whatever, whatever it is, offering them a, a fair, if not exceptional, hopefully, um, experience through product and price. Um, and I think that, you know, understanding that that's not going to look the same for natural retreats or Vacasa or like you're saying, V-trips or, you know, a an independent, you know, a smaller independent business in a single location, that's going to look different. You know, what we're, how we're approaching things is going to be different. And that includes revenue management. So, um, you know, a lot, I think early on in this, in this space, there was a lot of talk about, you know, you know, how do you do this, these tips and tricks. And, um, and it was always really, um, worrisome, I think for me in a lot of ways to see that because, I know that one thing isn't going to work for everybody. So right. when you see and hear people get up and talk about, oh, well, you know, you should do this or you should do that, or you should, you know, when, when occupancy gets to a certain per, that's not going to be the case for everybody. Because, it's not know, a one size target. fits all yeah. kind of thing. It's not. Yeah. So if you can go into it thinking that and knowing that and understand, be very, being very confident in your company and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and also be willing to just completely fall flat on your face right? Um, and to own it. I mean, I think that's the other thing is, you know, it's, it's one thing to fall flat on your face and to own it. Another thing to fall flat on your face and then try to like push that off to somebody or something else. Um, you know, I think that's significant. That said, I don't know if that's, you know, unique or special to me. I think it might be unique or special to people who are, you know, trying to figure this out and trying to, you know, advance their company and their, and their, you know, their company's mission. Um, cause like I said, I think there are a lot of people out there doing that. Yeah. So I, 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 and to follow up on that, you know, it's interesting on the tech side of it, you know, we've seen, you know, a lot of tools coming into play. Do you, do you think the community is getting it right in terms of what they're providing revenue managers and, and do they have, are they on the right path? Are they giving you the, the tools that you need to continue to be better at what you do, to continue to either make your job easier or make you more effective in this space? Are they on the right path? Or are there things that you would like to see? Like, are there, well, and or are, are there things you would like to see uh, kind of develop or see more in this space? I think they're getting a lot more right. They're getting a lot more right. The tools are getting a lot more sophisticated. The tools are, you know, they're becoming smarter. Um, and I think with any tool, whether it's revenue management or whatever, you know, you if you're going to adopt these tools, you're going to have to be willing to um, work the tool. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think that these tools that are out there now, these dynamic pricing software um, softwares that are out there now, they're very very good if you work the tool, if you if you manage the tool well. Um, you know, I can't I can't say for sure. You know, if that's actually the case, but I have seen how they've developed over time, and. And I've appreciated, like I've I've had relationships with these companies for years, and I will talk to them about things, you know, and I'm and I'm not going to be able to say anything specific right now because I can't think of anything. But I've I've talked to them in specific terms about, hey, it would be really nice to see X or Y, and they will come back. They're very receptive to that. They want to create tools that we can use that are that work for us, and so they're always very open to. Um, ideas and critique. Um, and so I think they are continuing to get better. I think some of the companies that, you know, are out there that, you know, like you were mentioning, you know, maybe they're, they're just not ready for revenue management or that they don't think they're ready for revenue management. Um, but one thing I would say is that I think revenue management, you know, you can take things in small bites. You don't have to just have a revenue manager on staff. You don't have to like have a revenue management department to be doing things that are considered part of revenue management or revenue strategy. So, you know, some of these tools may be great for people who are like, hey, I'm a one or two person show. I just need to have something. And maybe they set it and forget it, which of course is not ideal. But no. is that better than nothing? I don't know. Because I've, you know, I, I don't know that. Right. But I think it's important to, for for folks to acknowledge that being open to revenue management strategies will likely get the ball rolling and 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 help them in the long run. Um, that's not to say that you know I think you should do X, Y, or Z because I don't know your company, but I do think if you're thinking along those along those you know you know data is important and we can use this to help our company grow and, and develop. That's the first. That's the first step that you take, um, even if it's just the way that you're thinking about things. So I think these tools have, it's a long way of saying, I think these tools have gotten much better. I think there's huge value in these tools if you're willing to put the time and energy into, into using them and managing them. Great answer. Hey, I got a question for you. So the U.S. is opening up um, to international travel uh, to the fully vaccinated. And um, I think it's like November 7th. I, the, that date could be wrong, um, but it, it's it's early November. Um, is there is there anything that like that that you are seeing or you are anticipating uh, for a for natural retreats or in just in the U.S. in general, like what do you see this the impact on on travel here in the vacation rental space? You know, that's the the first answer is I don't know. <laughs> the second thing that I will throw out there is that I think the, the narrative is is true in that. You know, we've all been talking about how there's been this fundamental shift in the way that people travel Um, for Americans, because, you know, a lot of other countries have been closed um, and for Internet, the international traveler coming to America. So I would imagine that that shift in travel didn't just affect Americans. You know, it's affected other countries as well. So I do think that the uplift. um, in the U.S., with um, you know travelers staying closer to home or drive markets or things, I do think that you know while people will start traveling more, I think internationally, I do think that's something that people have learned and have grown to to love. I also think that same thing may apply in other countries. You know, they've been having to do the same thing. Um, of course, some countries have been completely locked down and they haven't been able to even travel within their own country. But um, so I think there's a part of that that's that is um, permanent everywhere. It's it's one of those things that I'm just I'm just not sure. Like I can see I could see like um, I could see us seeing fewer international travelers here and seeing fewer people traveling internationally because they've discovered, you know, something more 
locally, I could see it completely boom. You know, I mean, right now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say I've seen anything significant right now yet. I think people are probably still like, is it really going to happen? Because, you know, I mean, the way that things have been going, it's like, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. No, it's not. Nope. You know, <laughs> and, and yes, 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 yes. Nope, it's not. And so I think people are probably waiting for it to actually happen. And then when things actually happen, like things have closed down again. So it's like, I, I wonder if people are a little bit jaded about that. Like, well, I don't really know if I can bank on this actually being open whenever. Hopefully, we all hope, of course, everything is. But I think there's also been a little bit of like this psychological trauma thing going on with travelers. Like you don't want to like get your hopes up about too many things. So I think a lot of that stuff, and, and I know that international travelers, you know, you've generally that that booking window is going to be a little bit wider because you don't just plan right. a trip to London next week. Um, so you are, you know, you are probably going to see see that happening, but I, I don't necessarily know that we're going to start seeing that happening until a date has been, we have arrived at a date, something has happened, things are open, and then people start to feel a little bit more confident. I don't think it's like, hey, it's going to happen in November or whatever, it's going to happen, it's going to happen then, so I'm going to start booking my travel. Um, we're probably not going to see as much of that. There may be people who are doing that. Um, I have not seen it personally, um, but I do think that's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be that kind of tentative, okay, it's opening. So maybe I'll start looking here and I'll start, but it's not going to be fast. I think we've all kind of been, we've all kind of been jaded by that a bit. Right. Okay. We're tired. It's going to see, we're gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see there's a lot of other things we're not considering too. Like what is the economy going to be like? What is yeah. the cost of travel going to be like? Gas is off the chain right now. Right. Like. Yeah. What effect is that going to have on local and regional travel and, and airlines? Like what are rental cars? You know, I mean, that's like, once you get here, what are you going to drive? <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, you saw what happened in Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> and I don't even know if you caught, if you guys were able to see like Landau's uh, V-Trips uh, video or the, uh, the movie uh, when they were in, a, they were in a U-Haul. Remember when yeah. you heard about like people renting U-Hauls, they were legit in a U-Haul. <laughs> And one yeah. scene, he was like in between the lava banks, like trying to turn the U-Haul around. Insane. It's not, so, you're right. I mean, it's like, it's like that supply chain thing, you know, that, yeah. that kind of analogy. It, I mean, but it real. applies everywhere, you know, who knows? They can maybe get here, but then what? You know, we I, might have a great vacation rental for them, but how do you get there? You know, but again, like, and what is that going to affect? The supply chain issue is going to actually affect our business too, right? Yep. Our ability to get the goods and things to yep. stock our properties, and like, we're not having that. Kind of, well, see, this is this is that brand, and I think these are the things that you have to be able to think about when you want to truly look at what the impact is. You know, is going to be when things open back up. Uh, opening back up is awesome. What's the environment going to be when? Those yeah, I mean, you can't get people to staff restaurants right now to like you right. know in these in these destinations. So it's like. So they're all coming, but is that going to be open? Like, is it going to be open for seven days a week? Or is it, some of them have, you know, gone down to like, um, you know, abbreviated hours or, you yeah. know, I don't know. It, it is all, it's all interconnected. Um, yeah. So it is really tough. And I think that that goes back to the whole hesitancy of, of people like, well, am I going to have the experience that I really want to have if I book my stuff right now? Okay, we're going to open up. But what does that actually mean? You know, I right. think a lot of it's just going to be very tentative, like, well, I'll see what they do. And, you know, and so I don't know. I would like to think that it's just going to open and everything's going to be great. But, you know, if it did right now, would everything be great? Would people have a great experience in market if they get to some of these markets that are are really affected by supply chain or by, um, you know, the employment, you know, outlook of, of some of these, you know, hospitality um, driven businesses it's so interesting this whole supply chain thing is is absolutely baffling to me and just to kind of you know and to see the impact it's it's had on on all sorts of industry to date um from even from the small mom and pops here that rely on um like supplies you know small supplies packaging supplies so like you know i we're i was talking with my wife um over the weekend we're talking about Oh, oh, it's, you know, 
someone was saying, oh, just, just, you know, shop local shop, you know, you know, you know, and you won't have to deal with that. Well, actually, no, these, these, these companies that are our local companies still rely, even if it's made locally and it's manufactured locally, they still, re, re, uh, they rely on supplies that are coming from overseas to go ahead and make these local things. Um, there's, you can't do everything locally. Um, so it's really kind of interesting to see like the overall impact that this is having on society in general today. And what does that, this trajectory look like? Like when, when do we get back to like the, the hardest part for me is like, Oh, when do we get, we're, we're getting back to some, are we getting back to some sort of normalcy for one thing, but everything else is so far from normalcy and that it just seems like it's this crazy snowball effect. That's it's hard. It's really hard to predict um, you know, what it's going to look like in six months, in a year. And it's, it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a really good example of how just everything is interconnected. And, you know, you can talk about supply chain or you can talk about employment or whatever, but, you know, I mean, I think about, you know, I, I wrote something, I don't know, maybe six months ago about, about the whole technology thing. We were talking about technology, I think offline, um, or maybe it was on, on here. I don't, I don't know, but um, you know, and, and, the, diff- the the improvements that technology has has brought to our lives. So whether dynamic pricing software or, or whatever you want to talk about, you know, and but the concept, you know, what I was what I was writing about was this concept of of loss. That when you when you introduce certain things, there are certain things that are lost, and it doesn't have to be a negative loss, but it, right. it is an actual loss of something. And when you do one thing, it affects something else, which affects something else, and and I think to be really, um, I guess, in tune to what you're, what you want to do or what you're doing, I think it's it's valuable to look forward those five, six steps. Like, okay, if I bring this in to my, if I want to bring in dynamic pricing software to my company, and you know, we're going to shift the way that you know we look at things or the way that we do things. What is lost there? It's not necessarily a negative thing. It may not be a productivity thing. It may not be this, but what what actually goes away? And then how does that affect, you know, five or six steps down the road? So anything like this, you know, you know, the supply chain, there's an issue. You're a, you're a, I'm a crocheter. I'm a crocheter, you know, yeah. and, and I, I need to get my yarn or I need to get a needle. Or I need, where does that come from? And how, how is that going to affect what I want to do in two months if I want to do it? Right. That's all really important. There's a loss there. Um, there's probably a lot of things that you gain, but there's always a loss when you change something. So I just think that's something that, you know, I try to think about um, whether it's in my career or whether it's in my personal life, but I think that's significant and I don't always think about it the way I should, but I think it's significant enough that, you know, I, I try to get myself thinking like that. I think that's an awesome way to think of it too. And especially, you know, equating that the loss is not always a negative, but understanding that that loss is there because technology is supposed to replace things, right? Or either a process or, or, or something within that line and, and whether it's good or bad, you know, I think we also plugging us in determines whether that happens or not, or what that is, right? Like the way email was supposed to free us up from work and actually bonded us to work even more. Yeah. And now you're emailing on vacation and you're emailing from your phone and you're emailing like it never stops. (laughs) I know. And so and to go back to that. So the the movie, if we were talking about this earlier, technology getting away, hiding, going back to to easier. The movie was called The Village, just FYI. Oh, The Village. Village. But but I think it's interesting because now and it brings up a good point because business owners, you know, and us all are going to have to make decisions moving forward. And I think even coming out of this pandemic and having time to sit and focus on a lot of things, you know, the reason people aren't going back to their jobs, the reason people aren't, you know, there's a lot of change happening is people have had really time to sit, be quiet, figure things out and are making different decisions. Right. Yep. And how this is going to play at both the macro and micro level uh, in our industry and the economy abroad is kind of an unknown right now. Um, Cause on the other, on the other side of that, we see a lot of things happening, but we really don't know, what the effect of those things are going to be um, at any aspect of our life. And so it's kind of exciting, kind of frightening, but you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I'll put it like that over the next. There's a lot of unknown. Yeah. Which should make your job and all of our jobs uh, a bit more interesting coming up. 
some challenges maybe some but you know challenges are fun right that's right hey you did say this earlier you, you wouldn't you wouldn't change it this is so much more rewarding and challenging than on on the vacation rental short-term rental side than it was on the the uh the hotel side of things. So, you know, we're just, we're just adding some more monkey wrenches thrown okay. in there for you. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, Sarah, it's been so much fun having you on today. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. That was my pleasure. Thanks for asking. The, uh, yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that, you know, you know, you, you just kind of left us with some great nuggets, but do you have any other nuggets uh, um, that you'd like to leave the audience with today? Oh, geez. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> Thought that's that, fine to think about that but i i do appreciate the time to chat i you know I, I love this kind of thing talking with people in the industry and just throwing ideas around i think is is really valuable for everybody regardless of your discipline you know i mean a lot of this is not revenue management it's right. it's just you know hey how do we exist in this space and other spaces too um you know our world is changing and we're you know to mateo's earlier comment, you know, people are thinking about things differently and we're going to all have to shift because everything's shifted. It's not just the way people think about travel. It's the way they think about where they work and how they work and when they work. And um, so these are all really important things. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to throw it around with you. Well, again, we're going to have to come back and uh, and see us again. We'll have to definitely continue the conversation. I would a love year, to. A year later, where are we at? <laughs> Uh, but no, it's, it's been awesome having you. Thanks for, for coming and putting up. With my John pleasure. And I, sure. Yeah. Th- thanks for putting up with my, uh, my flu brain at the beginning there. I mean, I was out of it. <laughs> it's all um, good. It, gotta, it got better throughout the. Okay. That's good. I'm glad. I totally didn't even know. <laughs> we need to keep a core, John. We got to come up with a blooper reel. Like, we <laughs> <laughs> Until next time. Thanks, Sarah. Absolutely. Thanks.